Welcome to the Owl Once Was Lost podcast. We are the companion podcast to the free phone app for Android and Apple devices where we can get info on a missing person out and into the eyes and ears of people in the local vicinity and all in real time, meaning within minutes of a disappearance or abduction as possible. Please consider downloading the app and being a part of the solution. The more people that we have, uh, the more people that have the app, the better chance of locating a missing person. This report is provided by the stories of the unsolved.com, where you can find a repository of many unsolved missing persons cases all at your fingertips. This is where we gather our case information for the podcast, and we can't thank them enough for allowing us to bring the information to you. So you can download the app and episode at the owl dash once was lost dot com. So again, that's owl dash once was lost dot com and read about this and all other missing persons cases at stories of the unsolved dot com. Please also remember that we need the simple step of hitting the five star review, which helps us in being found in the Apple algorithms and feel free to also leave a uh, review there, a written review. It only takes a few seconds, and we would greatly appreciate it. This is the disappearance of Courtney Stouffer. Courtney Stouffer was born on April 24th, 1991, to parents Wendy and Scott Stouffer. A member of a large family, she grew up on a 10-acre farm just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Despite her parents' divorcing in 2005, the family remained a unified group with Scott and Wendy setting aside their differences for the good of their children. Courtney was someone who wanted to experience everything life had to offer, and her confidence in feistiness resulted in a strong competitive nature that was only fueled by her love for being the center of attention. She adored animals and often spent her free time either outdoors traveling, or with their family. She also had a knack for the arts with a love for telling stories, dancing, and singing. And after finishing high school, Courtney worked part-time at her father's recycling equipment firm, Stouffer Equipment. Instead of attending college, she decided to follow in her mother's footsteps and obtain a position at a local beauty salon where she worked on and off as a hairstylist. This position helped her when she moved into animal grooming, a job she loved, as she found it was easier to work with animals than with other humans. Courtney also adopted a new hippie lifestyle after graduating, and it was a way for her to better express herself and her artistic personality, and those around her say she appeared more happy and peaceful. She also began smoking marijuana around this time, a habit her parents disapproved of, especially given the crowd she'd begin to hung around with, and as such, she made a point of never smoking when around them. When Courtney was 20 years old, she fell in love with a 19-year-old Brad Hare. He was the complete opposite of the loud and bubbly girl, bringing to the relationship a more quiet and reserved nature. And according to her parents, this was the first time Courtney had ever felt that way about somebody, and the pair moved in together just nine months later, They rented an apartment at 810 West Main Street in downtown Palmyra, Pennsylvania, just a 10-minute drive from her childhood home. On the evening of July 28, 
2012, Courtney was hosting a party at her apartment. At around 9.30 p.m., police showed up after a neighbor contacted them about the presence of alcohol at the gathering. As Brad was on probation at the time for driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol, he had been barred from consuming alcohol and was taken into custody for violating this probation. Brad's arrest worried Courtney, who feared he'd be incarcerated for the remainder of his probation. She called her mother at 9.54 p.m. to express her concerns, and Wendy asked if she wanted to come and stay at her house, but Courtney declined the offer. And after speaking with Wendy, Courtney contacted 29-year-old Cody Pruitt, an acquaintance who worked at the nearby racetrack. It was common knowledge that Cody had a crush on Courtney, but the feelings were not reciprocated, and during the call, the pair arranged to meet at a nearby bar where they got drinks. And according to Cody, she appeared very distraught and wanted to blow off some steam, and eventually the pair met up with Cody's friend, Milton Rodriguez, and another couple. The group packed into Milton's car and traveled to Harrisburg, where they ended up grabbing drinks at the hardware bar on 2nd Street. As the night went on, Courtney's anger, fueled by her drinking, continued to grow. She got into an argument with the couple, saying the male individual had broken into her apartment a few months prior and stolen money, and the commotion resulted in security asking Courtney to leave the establishment. While she was forced to leave, the rest of the group stayed behind, and at around 2 a.m. on the morning of July 29th, Courtney texted Cody and Milton to ask that they take her home. The group drove back to Palmyra with Cody dropping Milton off at his residence before agreeing to drop off Courtney. Believing she was okay to drive, Courtney requested Cody drop her off at the bar they'd been at earlier so she could pick up her car. Despite feeling she was too intoxicated to drive, Cody agreed, but followed her to her apartment to ensure she got home safely. Courtney and Cody arrived at her apartment at around 3 a.m., and while walking up to the building, Courtney spotted her neighbors and got into an argument with them as she believed they'd been the ones to call the cops earlier. This resulted in the police being called to the scene at around 3.30 a.m. Upon seeing that everyone had been drinking, they asked them to return to their units and got to bed, while also threatening to make arrests should they be called back. And according to Cody, he and Courtney entered her apartment at around 3.50 a.m., Approximately 10 minutes later, another neighbor heard loud banging coming from Courtney's unit, which led him to call the police back to the scene. However, when they arrived at 4.12 a.m., they found everything was quiet. One of the officers approached Courtney's door and knocked, but upon no one answering, he assumed that things had fizzled out. It was at this point that they left. The next day, the entire community of Palmyra came together for the Lebanon County Fair and Courtney and her brother were to attend with their grandfather, as was tradition to do so. Unfortunately, Courtney did not show, nor did she return any of Wendy's calls. And when July 30th came around, Wendy began to worry about her daughter's seemingly radio silence. She contacted her son to ask if Courtney had been at the county fair the previous day, only to be told she had not been in attendance. And after speaking with him, Wendy drove to Courtney's apartment where she saw her car, which had its windows down. While this struck her as strange, she didn't think too much of it. She then proceeded to the apartment, finding the door unlocked and the outside light on. When she entered, nothing struck her as out of place. 
Courtney's keys had been thrown on the ground, as was common, and her shoes were in the area of the apartment where Courtney normally removed them. However, further investigation would cause alarm. Not only had Courtney's beloved dog seemingly not been let out in at least a day, her purse and cell phone had been left behind, with the phone showing 18 missed calls. The television and the AC had also been left on. Hoping to figure out her daughter's whereabouts, Wendy contacted everyone Courtney had recently communicated with via her cell phone. Everyone had spoken with her, had no information regarding Courtney's whereabouts, and appeared stunned that she'd left without informing anyone she would be away. Wendy then contacted Scott, who immediately drove over to Courtney's apartment. While looking through her phone, he discovered her text to Cody, so he called him to ask for his help in finding her. Cody recounted the events of July 28th, saying that he'd entered the apartment in an attempt to calm Courtney down and that he'd fallen asleep not long after. He hadn't awoken until 7.50 a.m. the next day when he discovered Courtney was no longer in bed. Before heading to the racetrack, he'd stopped at a local convenience store where he texted Courtney. He'd also called Milton at this time, as he was still in possession of his friend's vehicle. By midday, Courtney's parents were fearing the worst. They contacted the Palmyra Bureau Police Department and were asked to come down to the police station the next day to file a missing persons report. While they waited, they stayed at Courtney's apartment in case she happened to return. During this time, her friends came by to offer their assistance. When Courtney hadn't returned by that Tuesday, Wendy and Scott went to the police station to officially report her as missing. By 2.25 p.m., the Palmyra Bureau Police Department had issued a missing person's new release. And right away, the Palmyra Police Department requested the assistance of the Lebanon County District Attorney's Office as it was aware it did not have the resources necessary to handle this type of investigation. Courtney's apartment was deemed the potential crime scene. It, along with her vehicle, were processed numerous times with the assistance of various law enforcement agencies, but no evidence of foul play was located. They were also unable to find any indication as to her whereabouts. Police spoke with their neighbors, but they did not know where she was, and according to them, they all went to bed after the patrolman left in the early hours of July 29th. Her 44-year-old male neighbor was of particular interest to investigators, given the hostility between him and Courtney. Investigators learned about a voicemail he'd left with the landlady on the night Courtney went missing, in which he sounded irate, said he wanted the 21-year-old out of the duplex and threatened to take care of the situation himself if nothing was done. Despite this, he claimed to not have any involvement. Courtney's family remember him acting strangely around them as he refused to speak or make eye contact with them. Scott also recalled him taking numerous garbage bags to his car, which he claimed contained debris from a home improvement project. Police searched his trash from that and other days but found no evidence. They also used cadaver dogs to search his apartment, but that too was a dead end. Missing posters featuring Courtney's image and description were put up across Palmyra, which advertised a $5,000 reward offered by Scott and an amount that would eventually rise to 100000 through the generosity of community donations. 
Around this time, Wendy held a candlelight vigil at the police station where she and others wore homemade Courtney Come Home tie-dye t-shirts. A week after the candlelight vigil, the Palmyra Fire Department organized a search with the aid of community volunteers. Despite combing a two-mile radius around Courtney's apartment, no evidence was located. Courtney's disappearance made national headlines, and police looked into Courtney's circle of friends, especially those with her the night she was last seen. They interviewed those individuals numerous times and administered polygraph examinations. Given the case is still open, the results cannot be publicly released. Brad was unable to provide much information to help progress the investigation as he was in police custody at the time. He said to have not been very cooperative, but many have chalked this up to his dislike of law enforcement given his past experiences with them. Cody's story and alibi were thoroughly looked into, and investigators visited the convenience store he'd gone to on the morning of July 29th to try and corroborate his story. They located surveillance footage from 7.30 a.m. that morning that showed him purchasing food and a drink while texting his cell phone. His version of events as remains consistent over the course of the investigation, and Scott took it upon himself to contact Milton, who appeared nervous. He was vague with his answers and claimed to have no knowledge of what happened to Courtney. Scott shared his impressions of both Milton and Cody with investigators, which led them to obtain search warrants for their apartments and vehicles. Nothing was found during these searches to link them to Courtney's disappearance, and both men continued to maintain their innocence. Investigators learned more details regarding the argument Courtney had gotten into whilst in Harrisburg. More specifically, they learned the man she'd been arguing with was a known drug dealer. This led them to consider the possibility that Courtney's drug use could have potentially put her in harm's way. When brought to an interview, the man denied any involvement, saying he'd spent the night at his girlfriend's parents' house after leaving the bar, an alibi that was substantiated. He also denied having burglarized Courtney's apartment. Courtney's family and friends have conducted numerous searches for her, and in March 2014, a local woman contacted Scott about a conversation she'd overheard between two acquaintances. They'd said they killed Courtney while stealing marijuana and money from her apartment, after which they rolled their body into a carpet and threw it into the Memorial Lake, approximately 12 miles from her residence. Scott was met with resistance when he brought this information to the attention of the district attorney's office. Investigators had no evidence that Courtney's body was in the lake, and they felt the woman's credibility was questionable as her story changed numerous times. Despite this, Scott wanted the lake searched and sought the assistance of the Pennsylvania State Police, who obliged on April 1, 2014. For five hours, they used an underwater camera and sonar gear to search the water, but were unable to find Courtney. The result was the same when a volunteer diver conducted his own search later that spring. And in the fall of 2015, the Stouffer family hired a private investigator named Lee Hopwell. A Facebook page has been set up in order to keep awareness alive and share updates about the case. A website has also been created. The Lebanon County District's attorney is still leading the investigation with assistance from the FBI. 
Given the circumstances, the case has been treated as a homicide since the start, and given the lack of evidence, no one has been ruled out as a suspect. They have shared that while they occasionally receive new tips from Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers, they have little new information or leads to share. So there's a few theories, and one of the theories in the case is that one of Courtney's neighbors is responsible for her disappearance and likely murder. This is due to the tensions between her and the other residents of the duplex, especially her 44-year-old male neighbor. As Afer mentioned, he was seen by Scott loading numerous large garbage bags into his vehicle, which may believe to have been held Courtney's remains, and he was acting suspicious when asked about his possible involvement. Investigators do not believe any of Courtney's neighbors were involved, as search warrants of their apartments turned up no evidence. The male neighbor's vehicle was also searched and produced no evidence that would link him to the crime. A private investigator in Florida has brought up the possibility that Courtney may have been the victim of a serial killer operating within Kentucky and surrounding states. According to him, at least 18 women who fit Courtney's profile had gone missing around the time of Courtney's disappearance. However, the Palmyra District Attorney does not believe the case is linked to any others, and many have discredited this theory. It's a Stouffer's belief that Courtney was abducted on the night she went missing. This would explain the lack of evidence found, as well as the lack of potential sightings. And number four, some online have theorized that Courtney's disappearance may be related to a suspected drug debt, given her connection to known drug dealers and her marijuana habit. As Afra mentioned, she had gotten into a verbal argument with the dealer on the night she went missing, accusing him of having broken into her apartment and stealing both money and personal items. Her boyfriend, Brad, was also known to deal drugs. It should be noted that investigators have not found any evidence that Courtney owed a debt to any dealers. Courtney's family marked the fifth anniversary of her disappearance with a two-day Peace and One Love event, which featured a bonfire, music, and the release of paper lanterns at Scott's residence. Each year, the family hosts a float on the Swatera Creek in her honor between Palmyra and Hershey. Floating on the water is said to have been one of Courtney's favorite activities, Courtney's family has kept her belongings in case she is located alive. Courtney Sierra Stouffer went missing from Palmyra, Pennsylvania on July 29, 2012. She was 21 years old and she was last seen wearing a yellow tank top, black floral print or fluorescent paint splattered shorts, a silver class ring and a diamond wedding ring. At the time of her disappearance, she stood 5 foot 8 and weighed between 110 and 120 pounds. Her hair, which was in dreadlocks, is long and strawberry blonde, and she has green eyes. Her ears and tongue are pierced, and she has a mole on her right cheek. She has the following tattoos, a handgun with flowers growing out of the barrel, and on the left side of her abdomen, three stars on the top of her right foot, and one love on her bicep with the O in one drawn as a peace sign, and the other in love, drawn as a heart. Currently, her case is classified as endangered missing, and if alive, she would be 30 years old. Those with information regarding the case are asked to contact the Lebanon County Detective Bureau at 717-228-4000.
4403, extension 4403, or the Palmyra Bureau Police Department at 717-838-8189. Tips can also be called into the FBI VICAP at 1-800-634-4097 or Private Investigator Lee Hopwell at 717-348-3205. Those wishing to remain anonymous can contact Lebanon Crime Stoppers at 717-270-9800 or Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers at 1-800-472-8477. So that's going to conclude this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody.